Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoREI.com. Ray Mattis is a semi-retired investor based in North Idaho. He is also an Ironman competitor and triathlete. Listen in as he tells how just one property can make a huge difference on your finances over time. All right. Ray. Hey, Nick. Ray Mattis. Am I saying your name correctly? Yes, you are. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. You bet. You're very welcome. It's uh, a pleasure. Sport and Ironman? Yes, yes. How many you got planned this year? I have uh, two halves and a full in Penticton, Canada. So I'll be doing the half in Coeur d'Alene, the full in Penticton a month later, and then a month after that, the half in Maple Valley, Washington. Nice. And you, yeah. so, and you just went swimming this morning? Yeah, I did uh, about a mile and a quarter, 2,300, something like that. Do, do you usually practice in a pool or out in the freezing lake? <laughs> this isn't a good time of year to be in the lake. I know. <laughs> um, there's people who do it, but yeah. they wear special gear, neoprene cap, booties, things like that. But it, risking frostbite just doesn't seem like fun. I, we just practice in the pool. Yeah. Most everybody I know practices in the pool till I don't know, May. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on when the water temp comes up. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So I just, uh, yeah, Iron Man, my first time doing it was last year, but mm-hmm. it was so funny when I, um, when everybody was lining up at the beach to swim, and I saw you and you saw me, and I, were you the one that looked at me and you're like, where's your, <laughs> yeah. where's your swimsuit? Where's your gear, yeah. <laughs> where's my gear? I don't know. <laughs> but like, I was the only one there without a uh, wetsuit on. Right. Well, you weren't the only one, but there, there weren't too many. Yeah, there, there weren't too many. many. I didn't, honestly, I didn't, I felt fine. It felt refreshing. I I'm probably going to wear the same thing this year. <laughs> some guys feel that they're just as fast without a wetsuit, and then they don't have to strip it off, so you know it saves some time. Yeah. Personally, I'm faster in a wetsuit by by several minutes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, you know what? I wasn't that fast. I I think I was like 52 minutes total mm-hmm. was the mm-hmm. whole thing. So I, maybe a wetsuit would help. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're here to talk about real estate. Right. Right. Um. You mind telling me a little bit about uh, what got you uh, interested in real estate and where you started? Oh, sure, sure. I actually have some influence in my family. My my grandfather was uh, kind of a real estate investor. He originally had a duplex that he house hacked, and they lived in that for God for a long time. And then he ended up buying a single family home that him and my grandmother lived in, and then he kept the duplex as a rental. And then when he moved in with us, we had a split uh, split level home that my dad built. And the grandparents moved in with us because he was getting kind of, you know, getting along, you know, in years and everything. Yeah. And they kept his house as a rental. Um, so he had had rentals and I was like, you know, why don't you just sell them? And he said, why should I? They just print money every month. <laughs> and I always, that always stuck with me, you know, I mean, like a house that's paid for that's sitting there that's collecting rent is just printing money. Yeah. I mean, literally. I mean, there's some costs, obviously. It's not completely free. Um, some houses might have an HOA, other houses have, you know, expenses because it's an older house, needs a garbage disposal or a faucet replaced from time to time, most time, or even a furnace job mm-hmm. or a roof job. But even still, it's basically saying they're printing money month after month. And I always thought that was really cool. Um, my dad did the same thing with a house in the town that we grew up in. He had a small town home and then rented that out when he built that, that uh, split entry home. Mm-hmm. And he kept both those properties for a long time until he eventually bought a farm and we moved out and uh, I lived out in the middle of nowhere in a farm. Yeah. But then he sold the properties to pull that off because the farm was really expensive. Gotcha. So what, what area was this? 
This is back east. Uh, I grew up in the uh, foothills of the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, okay. Mm -hmm. awesome. North of north of Philadelphia. Gotcha. So did you start investing out there, or did you start when you uh, came here? No, not until we moved to California. Oh. Okay. Um, in California, I, I got our first house there. Uh, we moved there in 89, so properties were really starting to nosedive at that time, and it was really foolish. I could have bought in Orange County so cheap back then, and I didn't. In fact, I had a friend who was selling her house. They had split up, divorced, and I was kind of taken with her, kind of seeing what, or seeing her and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, she offered, you know, for me to buy this house. I could have bought that house for one hundred twenty thousand. It's probably worth seven fifty today. Right. Yeah. But could have, should have, woulda, you mm -hmm. know. But I ended up buying a house up in the desert, um, kind of a live-in flip situation. Rolled that over, made a few bucks on it, not a killing, but a few bucks, mm -hmm. and then moved down into the valley, um, in um, San Bernardino Valley in Riverside, actually. We lived in Riverside. And I bought a live and flip there, and then moved to another live and, live and flip. And then we, we left there in 2002, and uh, we got a pretty good payday on that last one. I mean, it was a nice house on a double lot with a pool. It was a beautiful home. Yeah. Um, but that house, that old house that was built in the 20s, that live and flip, I'll tell you what, it was a it was a three in one and it needed a bathroom remodel because the floor was rotten, which I kind of knew when I bought it. It was a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, had been a rental, ended up distressed, and I bought it as is. It was like a home path? Yes, it was home path, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it, when I got into it for very low down, which was wonderful, but the house was a nightmare. Knob and tube wiring that somebody had run extension cords through the walls and really, really, oh, really right. cool stuff like that. Extension cords, not Romex. No, no, there was in the walls. <laughs> inside the walls. In fact, wow. there was. There That's was, a new one. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. I have pictures of it somewhere. It was awesome. <laughs> the uh, the Romex would come out of the like a switch box or a gang box, yeah, and then just be black taped to extension cord, which would then run up over and in, into the ceiling fixtures. So they had, there were several ceiling fixtures that were like that in the house. It was, and it was working? It worked, but it was obviously not safe. It was right. completely um, stupid. Plus the floor of the bathroom was rotten. And when you've got to redo, I mean completely gut and redo the bathroom, living with the wife and the daughter in a one bedroom, in our one bathroom house, um, that's, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's gotta be what, weeks? It was a month. Not being able it to was use a toilet. month. No bathroom for a month. And so what do you do in that never... scenario? I mean, do you use a neighbor's toilet? Do you have to go to yeah, we grocery befriended... store? <laughs> we befriended the neighbors. I knew the neighbors. <laughs> we actually, I lived on that street. My other house was only uh, five houses away from this one that we bought that was built in the 20s. And um, yeah, we, they took pity on us. That's nice. <laughs> but our welcome was worn pretty thin by the end of that month. I'm telling you what, it was... Uh, it was not the ideal situation. Get that remodel done. <laughs> so when are you going to be done with that? Yeah. Oh, real soon. Yeah, that's what you said last week. Yeah. <laughs> so were you working at the same time? Yes, working okay. full time and working okay, on so that. That's I was. Be I think I slept about four hours a day. It was it was horrible. Yeah. And and I had never done anything like that. I might have to rip out the subfloor. I didn't know how bad it was. There was four layers of tile. They were just overlaying the tile on it. Oh wow. And um, so very tall floor. It was. They had cut the bottoms of the doors to clear the tile of the floor. I swear, it was, it was so ridiculous. Get new doors, too. Huh. No, that means you just or, have a gap at the bottom of the doors. No, you just have a gap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to take a, I had to rent a, a Bosch jackhammer to blast through the tile. And as we got through another section of tile, another section of tile, we got down to the bottom bed of tile 
over the subfloor, it was like a, a bed of mortar and then like these little, they look like little tiny stop signs all held together on a mesh. Uh-huh. It would have been probably remodeled back in the, I would guess, late 60s, mid 60s, something like that. And that was the that was the final layer. And when I punched through that, the subfloor just fell through to the, to the ground. I mean, there was just dirt. It just it, the were subfloor. Were the joists still there? The joists were fine, but the subfloor oh, right. was like tissue paper. Yeah. It was also amazing. common. It had been rotting. It had been rotting for years. Yeah. You know, the toilet had been leaking, and then the shower mixer valve had been leaking. And that's how I found it. Actually, I was sitting there one morning, and I'm reading the paper. You know, having a cup of coffee, and mm-hmm. I hear this. And I'm like, what is that? You know, and I'm looking around. I don't see anything because the house is dead quiet. First thing in the yeah. morning, you know. And I put my ear to the wall by the shower and I can hear it hissing inside the wall. And I thought, that doesn't seem very good. No. <laughs> so I cut an access hole in the closet. And sure enough, the mixer valve was just spraying a nice spray of water that would hit the inside of the shower, drop down, and was spreading across the subfloor and just rotting it out. Do you have a crawl space? Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. So it was built on a raised like or <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty muddy under there. It was. Uh, I found a dead cat under there too, which is kind of cool. Hey, I found dead cats in crawl spaces before. That's apparently we a have thing. Something in common. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. We made good money on that house though, and uh, and that was a good thing. Okay. And when we came up here, um, I was so how many to... years did you stay in that living flip? Oh, five-ish. Five years. Around okay. five, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice by the time we left. And, so when you when you uh, sold it, you didn't have any pro- uh, capital gains taxes mm. to pay, right? Because, no, okay. no, it was free and clear, which was wonderful. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so what did you do next? Uh, moved up here and bought a new construction home. What, what made you want to move up to uh, North Idaho? Well, I had a customer of mine. I was working at this shop at the time, and um, he had come in and he was talking to me about it. And we had actually considered moving to Oregon. Uh, my stepson and his family lived in um, in uh, kind of like the Bend area. Mm-hmm. And they talked about, you know, maybe you should move up here. And we went up and looked at it. And Bend at that time was kind of depressed. The sawmill had just closed. And you could buy houses pretty cheap. And I thought, well, this is a decent place to, to live. I liked it. There was a lot of things I liked about it. And there were some things not so much. So I'm discussing this with this customer of mine. And I'd known him for years. And he said, oh, you have to go to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which I had never heard of. Yeah. And I'm like, Coeur d'Alene, what, you know, Idaho, what am I going to do, grow potatoes? Yeah. I mean, seriously, I asked him that. And <laughs> and again, what year was this? Uh, 2002. 2002, okay. So he said, no, yeah. no. He said, go to cdapress.com and look it up and just look at the area. He said, if you go there, you'll move there, I, I promise you. And I said, yeah, well, I'll, I'll give it a look, whatever, you know. So I went on that website, and it's the it's the local paper, obviously. Yeah. And I looked on there, and I saw what houses were going for, very reasonable. Yeah. Even new construction was really cheap at that time. And uh, it looked beautiful. Lakes, mountains, fishing, hunting, camping, everything you could ever want. And I noticed that on uh, if you look on a map or even on a globe, it's roughly the same latitude as the area that I grew up in, in the foothills of the Pocono Mountains. This is a very similar climate. Right. Four seasons, pine trees, mountains, trees, lakes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, this would be just like moving home only, you know better really no humidity (laughs) so we came up I did a little exploratory visit took a week off drove around and I was this is it I I bought a house my wife had never seen it I just bought a house okay and she remember which builder yes it was Hallmark Hallmark Hallmark. okay Mm -hmm. good builder they still do plenty of 
plenty of uh, business here. So. They build a lot of spec homes. Uh, it's a it's a pretty basic specy. It's a nice little house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's pretty you know plain as far as that goes, but it's really nice and it was well made and it was very reasonable. So mm-hmm. moved up here and bought that one and then uh, things got very depressed in real estate in around oh eight I think it was or maybe it was oh nine I can't remember exactly. Um, started slowing down in 07 quite a bit 2008 was definitely going down 2009 was like a nose that like everybody was just broke seemed like <laughs> nothing was moving and then it stayed like that for a couple of years right right well it was about that time a friend of mine bought some um, recreational property up on the north fork of the Coeur Lane, and he bought it very reasonable you know Beautiful property. He still has it to this day. It's awesome. Awesome property. Acreage. And he set a little fifth wheel up there, and that's his place, and he goes to it to visit it. And he encouraged me to do the same thing, and I really thought about doing that. In fact, I could have bought a land, uh, a lot in his um, segment there. It's not really development. It's just a somebody had subdivided a bunch of land up there. Mm-hmm. And I could have bought that, and I thought, you know, the thing about doing that is you're tied to that one spot. And we like to go camping. I like to go to different places. You know, right, we'll go to this yeah. place, we'll go to that place. Maybe we want to go to Glacier or Yosemite. Who knows? You know, Montana was somewhere. Um, so you, you're really tied to that one property. And I thought, that's not a good idea, you know. Um, so about this time, a neighbor just down the street from me, they got divorced. They split up. She tried to keep the home, couldn't, and was losing it. Yeah. And uh, I talked to her a little bit about it. And she said, yeah, we can't. we got to go. We're moving. I mean, I talked to her when they were loading the U-Haul. Oh, okay. And she had already lost the home, but I didn't realize that she was that far down in the process. Otherwise, I would have bought her out of it. And it ended up being a, um, a foreclosure. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my realtor buddy at the time who sold me the first house. Yeah. And I made a bid on it and got the house. Nice. And it was cheap. God, I wish I had two or three of them at that price. What location was that again? That's in Post Falls uh, in the Woodbridge subdivision. Woodbridge, okay. It's very close to the state line because I was yep. working in Liberty Lake at the time and it's great for community. I mean, God, yeah. you're, you're and five that blowing miles up away. It's, it's growing very quickly. Yeah, they're building up state line. and yep. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. At, at that time, it was mostly it? field. Yes, I have both those houses. Great. Okay. Can you, can you go in, in depth about the numbers? Um, like what, sure. What you bought it for, mortgage, how much you put down, what is the cash flow, that kind of stuff? Sure, sure. Um, that house is uh, was 132, which was really a good deal. I felt at the time, and still do. Um, and how big? And it's about 2,000 square. It's a four and two. Wow. Yeah, and it's got a big That's lot, <laughs> and it's on. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it's on a it's on a cul-de-sac street, very quiet street, uh, great for the kids. It um, it had a partially fenced yard. I had to finish the fence. It cost me five or six thousand. Big deal. Um, and that house is renting for 1650 right now. Nice. Okay. Right. And, um, you know, I've always paid uh, some extra on the mortgage, but the mortgage, I think the mortgage itself was 1100 a month or something. I'd have to look to be sure, but I pay extra on it. I think I pay 1600 a month or something like that. I think I put 500 a month extra towards okay. the principal. At that time, um, did you did you get a normal conventional loan? Yes. You had to put like 20, 20%, 25% down? No, I didn't put anywhere near that much down. I got in it for... Um, around 12,000 down. Wow. I can't remember what the story was on that, but I was able to get in with a, with a really reasonable down. Okay. I don't so remember that, why. I mean, that's like less than 10%. Yeah, it was a great, it was okay. I, it, because it was a foreclosure or and something. And it was an I'm investor. Sure. Oh, okay. So did you do like an investor home path loan? 
Yes, yes, that's what it was. Ah, yes. okay. There's not many of those opportunities around. No, it was, a, it was a, I just fell into it. It was almost right across the street from me. I mean, this house is literally four doors down from where I live and across the street. So um, I, if I can tell you, I, I, I did something similar where I bought a bank home property directly from a bank, but it was, I mean, it was the bank, it was USDA. It was a government loan through the USDA. They had to um, pull it back. Um, and when they, they put it out there, it was out in rural area, mm -hmm. uh, $43,000. Um, but there was this little, in the realtor private remarks, an, an investor loan is optional <laughs> mm. with 5% down, 5% uh, down on $43,000. Do the math if you can. <laughs> anyway, not much. It's not much. <laughs> What's, um, uh, 20, 2300 bucks, 2200 yeah, 2, bucks, something. Anyway, that's 5%. I'm an agent, so I get paid three percent for buying it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's two percent of forty-three. It was like I think it was like nine, a thousand bucks or so I had to put down on this property. Oh my gosh! Um, and it rented for seven hundred pretty quickly. And my my mortgage, and I financed it directly through the USDA. Um, they gave me a three and a half percent interest rate, amortized over twenty years, a ten-year balloon, and there are no fees. No lender uh, annual USDA fees. There was no origination fee. It was a incredibly awesome loan. Um, so my payment was like $375. Wow. Needed a thousand bucks down and it rented fast. <laughs> I'll take a half a dozen of those. Yeah, those were the good days. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to you. <laughs> so Woodbridge, mm -hmm. still got it today, going well. Do you have, many repairs that you had to do to it when you bought it? No, I had to do a standard paint and carpet. Um, okay. they, weren't too, they weren't too kind to it when they moved out. Um, they were just really roughhoused it with the furniture on the way out and knocked out you know, a bunch of drywall corners. And, and uh, it was actually pretty minor damage, honestly. They were just careless with it. Okay. Uh, the carpet looked like you know, it was originally tan, but it was black in all the traffic areas. It was just horrible. Uh, it doesn't really matter. If you're changing it anyway, it doesn't matter how bad it is. Yeah, you usually change it. Right, tenant turnover anyway. So well, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so it was a paint and carpet job and some light drywall and uh, I finished the fence. Okay. I think I might have put, I don't know, ten or twelve grand in the whole property to get it ready to rent, and I had it rented right away. In fact, in those days, I didn't use a property manager. I just stuck a sign in the yard, <laughs> and I would stick a sign in the yard and rent that place for. At uh, that time, I was renting it for twelve fifty, I think, okay. which is actually pretty cheap. But you know, with what my payment was now, I, I was thinking that was pretty good you know I didn't yeah. know any better 300 a bedroom well 1250 it sounds about right <laughs> and I would have three or four applications by the end of the week just from sticking a sign in the yard right. I never had problems running the house I found out later I was running it too cheap and I, I gradually crept up and up and up on the price until I got a little bit more in line with what people were paying around here okay. um, and it was partially through you guys that I realized that I was you know hundreds under market <laughs> <laughs> Left a lot of money on the table there, but you know it's okay. And and I had some renters that were in there for a couple of years that uh, that really were great, took great care of the house. Um, you know, spruced up the yard, did nice stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you too. Yeah. So you've had it for twelve years now. Something like that. Yeah. About okay. So um, if you had to guess, how many tenants have you had to turn over? I think these are my seventh people in there. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm pretty sure that's right. And have you had to do any major repairs to the house since in the last 12 years that maybe you forgot to budget for? Or? 
No, not really. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate. Knock on some wood there. Um, I had to do a dishwasher on Christmas Eve this year. Okay. This Christmas past year. It's always Christmas, a holiday. <laughs> Christmas Eve, she calls me up all in a panic. Well, she calls the property manager who calls me up all in a panic. Mm -hmm. Dishwasher's dumping water all over the floor, you know, and it was, you know, it, yeah. it, it puked its guts up. It was old and it wasn't a very good dishwasher when it was new. Yeah. Contractor grade. Um, a buddy of mine has takeout dishwashers that I picked up a really nice dishwasher for 300 bucks yeah. and slapped it in our Christmas Eve day. And they were happy as a clam. Um, I had to do a garage door opener in that house. Um, sprinkler repairs. Every year it seems like I have to do sprinkler repairs in that house. I don't know why. Every year. It's a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there. You know, it's just the way it is. My personal house, always, we always run over sprinklers over back and stuff into the backyard and stuff. We always have repairs too. Yeah, it seems like there's always a broken line or some bad heads every single year. But it's not very much. You know, mm -hmm. honestly, it's been really good. And, and I took a pretty good look at that house last time I was in it. I had to do a paint and carpet again before these people that are in it now. And, um, God, the roof still looks great. It was a 30-year roof. Um, mm -hmm. That was also a hallmark construction. And everything else in the house looks good. I mean, God, you know, the furnace seems good, you know. I, I left a washer and dryer in that house, which I don't always do. But I just had one in there, uh, had a, a set in there from before. And people seem to like it. And it works. It's not great. But we had bought brand new washer and dryers for our, our personal residence. I just put the old ones in the rental, and well, they're still there, so I guess it's good. Nice. <laughs> Until they blow up. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and so, I mean, it, it's nice to hear we talk about so many, so many times when I'm talking to investors, we t we're talking about properties that they've had re kind of recently. It's only been a year or two, but it's nice to hear somebody who's had something as long as uh, 12 years to kind of get a realistic idea mm -hmm. what kind of repairs and. What does it look like over time? So uh, initially, you put uh, less than ten thousand down on the property, or I, I seem to remember it was closer to twelve. Sorry, uh, twelve thousand down. Mm -hmm. um, with all the cash flow of the last twelve years, how long would you say it took until you um, pretty much got your initial investment back? With the um, boy, um, or so. You know, I'm not even really sure how to calculate that. Um, I've always put extra onto the house, mm -hmm. uh, onto the mortgage itself. But that's kind of the good part about it. That house is due to be paid off in 14 months, um, which I think is fantastic because then it's just cash Four, flowing. 14 months it's going to yes. be paid off? Yes. Okay. Do you have a rough idea what it's worth? Um, last time I was appraised, it was 295 295 Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. 2000 Okay. So it's almost $300,000. In about a year, you're going to own it free and clear. Mm-hmm. And you put about twelve thousand into it initially, that was, and you've had yeah. to manage it here and there. Right, right. Do some things in the last twelve years, but here's three hundred thousand. There you go. And yeah, it's going to keep paying you. After next year, your cash flow is going to go way up. As my so grandfather would say, it's going to sit there printing money month after month. So good choice. <laughs> I wish I had a dozen of them. Yeah, but that's that's just one house. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you had eight of those. Right, right. And I, there's guys uh, that I know. There's a guy in my men's group that I go to a men's group, and he's a real estate investor. He had made a bunch of money in his previous um, uh, work life, and he bought a bunch of rentals. But he didn't buy uh, what I would call quality single-family homes. He bought a, a fourplex here and there. They're all in Spokane. They're all kind of like a little bit towards the lower end of the scale. Yeah. So his rents are, are cheaper, 
Um, but he's constantly complaining about problems, about you know nothing mm-hmm. but tr- trouble with the tenants, trouble with the building. They're always breaking stuff. They don't take care of it. I believe, and I, I really hope that this is true, but I believe that if you have a, a nice home, a home that's you know less than 20 years old, it's nice in a nice neighborhood, a nice established neighborhood with you know full growth trees. It's you know it's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's a nice neighborhood. HOAs, uh, you know, they're a bit of a pain in the butt, but they do keep things nice. And you charge a, a decent amount of money for them. It, people, it attracts the people who are going to take care of them. Right. You know, you get what you pay for. Yes. And if you pay just a little bit more on a rental investment, it's amazing how much over time it'll it'll pay back. I would rather have one solid rental than three crappy ones. Yeah. I, I just think that makes more sense to me. I, and you know, I know there's guys who don't believe that, and they'd say I'm wrong, but teach his own, right? Yeah. Well, I've talked to, I mean, hundreds of investors over the years, and that seems to be a common theme. Is, um, o- over the long haul, the people with nice quality single-family homes, I mean, they, they do the best over time. Mm-hmm. And um, what looks good on paper isn't always the case, <laughs> mentally and <laughs> and condition-wise, because, I mean, then you're dealing with, when you, in my experience, when you have multifamily, um, People are living there because they have to, mm-hmm. not because they want to. Right, right. When you're renting a single-family house, that's nice, in a nice neighborhood, they want to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference in the mindset and the, the condition that they're going to leave your property into. And the, ten, the turnover's not as much. Right, right. Yeah. I found that uh, in both those houses in, um, that are in Woodbridge, I, I tend to get the same kind of tenants in both those houses. They're a family who has just moved up here from, I mean, pick your poison, uh, Orange County, Sacramento area, San Francisco, Seattle sometimes, and, they'll, and they've moved, decided to move over here, but they don't find a house to buy. You know, uh, inventory is a little tight right now. Yeah. And they just think, well, we'll just rent for a year or two until we find something, or maybe we'll find that, that plot of land we want to build on. But in the meantime, they don't care, and they're coming from an area where $1,500, $1,600 a month is, you know, nothing to pay for right. for rent so they're completely happy mm-hmm. with that and they, they tend to take care of the property and I'll have them for I think about two years two and a half years uh, seems to be pretty much close to the average on on both of those homes yeah and that's great nice okay I wish I had more <laughs> so tell me about your next investment after after the Woodbridge what do you do next well I bought a new construction home and uh, I bought a house that's out in Crown Point uh, it's smaller than I like them. It's a three and two, and it's about 1,200 square. So I knew I was kind of confining myself to a different clientele by going to a smaller house. Mm-hmm. But it was the money, you know. I mean, houses are really expensive right now, and I wanted to get another income property. Um, and anything you buy is worth around 250 to 275,000 for a home that, that you're going to buy. That's just what. That's the the bread and butter section of the market right now. Yeah, is that price point. Um, and it's hard to find a four and two in that price point unless it's really old. Which means, you know, doesn't need a roof, doesn't need, you know, mm-hmm. extensive, expensive work. And I didn't want that. And I started looking at, uh, I looked at a lot of houses, actually. I was with Tyler. Uh, we looked at several homes. And none of these houses looked to me like they were worth what people were paying for them. Yeah. So when I saw this new construction, I thought, well, hey, here's a brand new house, brand new 30-year roof, brand new everything. Mm-hmm. New appliances, new everything. I don't have to worry about major expenditures for 20-ish to 30 years. Um, and I paid, I ignored the 1% rule completely. I, I, I know about it and I know that it's not 
carbon stone, but the 1% rule being, you know, it should rent for about 1% of the purchase price. Well, there's no way a house that size is going to rent for 2500 a month. <laughs> That's just not reality. Right. So um, I pretty much ignored that and I thought, well, you know what, with appreciation, et cetera, factoring into it, and the fact that I don't have a lot of money going into repairs, I still felt like it was a pretty good deal. Um, I believe I overpriced it. I had it up for fourteen ninety five. Yeah. For three or four months. Well, it's also. I mean, it, it's probably not just that. It's the time of year. In, and in, in the area, middle of winter. Right, yeah. Right at, right in September, things start to really slow down. And, right. Um, you hope you really have a tenant through the winter until things pick up again in the spring, <laughs> because there's yeah. Yes. Options are limited. All these um, short-term rentals start becoming available mm-hmm. as competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the good news, if there is any, uh, <laughs> we've had appreciation since September. <laughs> so your house is worth more. I've actually today. thought about selling that house, honestly, yeah. and and I don't, I don't know that that's really the best use. If I got out of it now, I did a little math on it. I would probably break even or maybe make a thousand bucks. I mean, it would be. A, if there was any gain, it'd be minuscule. It'd be wiped out by all the costs of of, uh, of the cost of selling the house. Cost of selling, yeah. Cost of selling, right? Mm-hmm. Of course it is. So I don't know that there's any advantage to selling it. I'm in it now. I may as well stay in it. Once I get a tenant in, and I'll feel a lot better about it. When someone yeah. else is paying the rent, because right now I'm paying the rent on a vacant house, which is not as much fun as it sounds like. No. <laughs> <laughs> But I really wanted to do a, a flip. I wanted to get into fix and flips. And as you know, we looked at that house on 13th. And mm-hmm. uh, and God, for what they wanted for it, I, I thought, I have to put fifty to $60,000 in this house to, you know, to make what? To make 10000 when it's all said and done? It's not worth it. Yeah. And probably still would have lost anyway with going over budget on repairs. And yeah. I yes. Mean, it's just... It'd be so easy to go over budget on a house like that too, because it needed yeah. everything, mm-hmm. you know. And then they said, "Well, look at the appreciation; it's gone up almost eleven percent." And you know, well, that's true, but you can't count you on can't appreciation. Count that's that's like that's like gambling. Mm-hmm. It's like playing the lottery. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting market. Can't time it. All you got, you, you can't buy on speculation that things are going to continue to improve. Um, we're being told by everybody that that does statistics that are this year we should grow another five percent in appreciation or so mm-hmm. but i mean where are they pulled nobody knows <laughs> exactly true that's just where they're all kind of guessing based off you know interest rates are going to remain stable mm-hmm. um under four percent and um it makes sense but you, real estate's so local mm-hmm. and uh, you never know what's going to happen so it, it's hard to just buy a flip and just expect the market to go up, and that's what's going to save you. <laughs> no, and that's a that's a, a fool's game to, to, to play that, I believe. In, uh, in Mark Ferguson's book, he talks about uh, not factoring in speculation, uh, not factoring in appreciation. You, you just can't count on it. Yeah, no. And he talks about the difference between real estate investing and investing in the market. And over the last year, I'll tell you what, if I had the money I put in the Argyle house in the market... I would have had a very nice return, whereas in the Argyle house, I've actually ended up losing money, and it's it's no one's fault but mine. I certainly don't blame anyone. I just didn't realize it was going to play out that way. Yeah. So, what's your mortgage on that house, and what do you what what do you expect it will rent out for at this point? 
Um, my proper my new property manager tells me they think thirteen fifty is realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just dropped it from fourteen ninety five to thirteen ninety five, and I got a few showings at thirteen ninety five. So there were some there were some nibbles on it. No no applicants yet. You know nobody really apped out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least I got you know some traction at that price. So I know that the price point is getting closer. She believes thirteen fifty is where we need to be to fill that house. Um, the mortgage on that house is like twelve twelve eighteen. With PMI, okay. So it would cash gotcha. flow. It would cash flow a few bucks. Just a little bit. Yeah. Enough to pay for itself. Mm-hmm. Now, um, do you still have to do anything to the house? Do you have to put in a backyard or a fence or a refrigerator or anything like that? Fridge is in. Um, I do have to finish the fence. I split the fence with the neighbors along the left side and along the back. Mm-hmm. They were putting up fencing anyway, so we all got together and talked about it. We ended up splitting the fencing. Um, but I still need 95 foot of fencing on the other side, and that neighbor doesn't have any money and won't split it. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm on my own on that one. Um, so I need about four thousand dollars worth of fence. Okay. And uh, and it does need a backyard, which uh, another couple grand there. Yeah. And I just don't want to put the money in the property right now with with it, you know, while I'm still making the mortgage on an empty house. Yeah, it's also hard to put in a backyard in the winter. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not really the best time of year right now. Yeah. Um, but that, that was a mistake too, you know, honestly. A new construction, it would have been so easy to roll in the rear sprinklers and rear yard and hydro seat and have everything done as far as that goes and then added the fence later. Mm-hmm. I could have rolled it into the loom. What would it have cost, $20 a month? Yeah, you know? yeah something like that. I should have, I should have, should have, could have, would have. Good idea, yeah. So I, I bought a new construction as a rental as well a couple years ago. And um, it were, I, it just happened to work out great when we closed on it. We closed on it right at the end of spring, right at the beginning of summer. Hmm. And um, and it was a great first year. And then I, I sold it because we just had an insane amount of appreciation. And I was able to use the cash on other projects. <laughs> <laughs> but I wish I would have kept that house. It was so easy to manage. Um, it was the only property I was managing on my own. Hmm. Just because new construction and the... What, what could go wrong? And nothing went wrong. I never right. heard from him at all. So I saved like maybe two grand in property management fees that year. Right. Or right. something like that. But. Mm-hmm. I think a property manager is worth it more. Once you have more than two doors. Yeah. I, I did that one my own. And then when um, we bought the Hayden house, I was doing the other. So I had two houses on my own I was managing. And I was working full time at that time. And I'll tell you what, it gets to be a pain. I mean, sure, a couple months breeze by where you don't do anything. You just collect the rent check and nothing happens. And then it seems like all at once, this guy's complaining about that. And that guy, well, you know, I'm a little short this month and blah, blah, blah. Uh, mm-hmm. This type of thing will come up where you get a, you know, suddenly um, I had a tenant break the lease mm-hmm. on one house. And she said, you know what? We bought a house. We found a house. We bought it. You know, you knew we were looking to buy. We made the deal. Can I get out of the lease? And I said, yeah, I'll let you out of the lease, you know. They were good tenants. I didn't have a problem with that. I let them out. And they get all done, and they clean the house up and turn the keys back in and all that. And she's like, all right, well, you know, when can we get our deposit back? And I, I said, you broke the lease. You don't get your deposit back. And she got really pissed at me, and she goes, you said you were going to let me out of the lease. I said, I did let you out of the lease. I'm not coming after you for the remaining four months. Yeah. <laughs> I let you out of the lease. That doesn't <laughs> mean you get your deposit back. And she said, well, we spent all that time cleaning the house. I said, you mean you wouldn't have, you would have left the house without cleaning it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, then you wouldn't have got your deposit back anyway. What's the difference? So it's weird what people will sometimes do in their minds to justify mm-hmm. things. But, you know, that all happened. And I thought, 
it'd be so much easier just to turn this over to property manager. It doesn't really cost that much. I think the manager I use now charges four and a half percent. Very reasonable. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is a good it is a good deal. Four and a half. How, mm -hmm. how do they make money? <laughs> they've got a lot of doors. Yeah, they've got a lot of doors. Yeah. So how many doors do you, does your management company have? I don't know the exact number, but they have quite a few listings. Okay. I don't really know exactly what they have. They're they're uh they do a pretty good job. They've been around a long time. Mm -hmm. um, the lady that runs it's very busy and often doesn't return my phone calls, <laughs> which I'm not super happy about. But there's plenty of people in other businesses I deal with that don't return my phone calls. So I guess uh, you know when you pay four and a half percent, you take what you get. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they're good. They keep the houses full and they keep the run checks coming, and I get my statements and my check every month on time. So nice. I can't complain too much. So you said you'd like to flip houses now. I really want to. Um, I've actually thought about flipping in Spokane. You know, I'm on one of those wholesalers lists. Uh, mm -hmm. The guy, what's it, AJ, uh -huh. sends me, you know, houses from time to time. And they look pretty rough. I mean, they're what you expect. And they're pretty cheap. Um, but I just don't know anything about the Spokane market. I, I hear it keeps going up and up, much like ours. But I don't know what's a good area. I mean, I know Hilliard's not super great, but I don't really know much about... I'm a little afraid to buy in an area where I don't know anything. Well, do you have a good agent over there? I don't. I don't know anyone over there. I, I'll, I'll get you connected with a couple of people. Mm -hmm. But um, you got to start there, I think. And right. just tell them what your goals are, what, what you currently have, if you want to do something similar, or just or stay in the neighborhoods that make sense to flip in. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I, I can, uh, depending on what areas of Spokane you're interested in, I, I, I know some good agents over there. But yeah, I'd definitely like to get some information. Okay. You know, we started this uh, talking about Iron Man. Yeah. You know? And I do Ironman. I've done long course triathlon for several years now. And I think that that really helps my mindset in business because um, it's the key word in long course triathlon is patience. I mean, yeah. we are such, a instant, uh, such an instant gratification-based society. Our culture is, you know, I want it now. You know, you like the, that uh, J.G. Whitworth, you know, it's my money and I want it now. Want it now. Yeah, you know yeah. the guy, right? And the uh -huh. people and everyone identifies with that. That's how we are. But uh, there's no shortcuts in, in Ironman. And there's no shortcuts in real estate investing. It's a long game. And, uh, you know, you really have to, you know, choose your moves carefully and, and pace yourself and plan things out. Uh, my idea is for this to be my retirement. I, I, don't, uh, I don't have any kind of pension. You know, from the job that I worked, it wasn't that kind of a, you know, I worked at dealerships. So there's no such thing as a pension there. There is no golden parachute. There's no nothing. When you leave there, you leave there, and well, good luck, God bless. You know, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> um, and then there's, of course, uh, Social Security, but that won't allow me to live in the lifestyle to which I've become accustomed. You know, I, mm -hmm. you know, I like Porsches. <laughs> <laughs> and mine's getting old. I want a newer one. <laughs> so yeah. there's no, no, how are you going to do that on, you know, dollars $1,800 a month, whatever it is? It's obviously not going to happen. So I think the passive income from real estate investing is, is probably the best bet. You also can't count on the market. I, I read a really interesting book by Tony Robbins called Money. I don't know if you've ever read that. Uh, I listened to Yeah, I have the audio book, and it took a long time. It's a thick book. It's a, it's a, it's a big book. It was a fantastic book, though. He covers a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. And he talks about it in there. One of, the, one of the keys that really rang for me was everybody wants to you know plan for retirement. That's obviously something you, you should be doing. But the key question they ask you, the key question is one that they don't ask you. How long are you going to live? 
Well, nobody knows that. That's the great X variable, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. are you going to live to be 95? Are you going to, you know, are you going to be uh, in the box at, at 72? Or somewhere, in, you know, somewhere else? You don't know. No one knows. I mean, there's plenty of guys my age in the ground already. So, who knows? Um, I think the only thing you can really do, you can't time the market, you can't time the stock market, you can't, all you can do is just build for growth and hopefully build uh, what he calls, you know, a perpetual money machine. Something that's constantly generating streams of passive, multiple streams of passive income. And out of everything that I've seen, real estate investing is about the only thing that really fits that bill. And that's why I'm in real estate investing. Me too. Yeah. Real estate, I mean, real estate is uh, a salt. Your your house on Woodbridge, has it ever called in sick? <laughs> no, it's a very good tangible asset. Has it ever moved to another real estate team and said, oh, I'm going to work with somebody else? Thankfully not yet. <laughs> has it ever? <laughs> it's just there. It just sits there doing its thing. It's there, and you made a commitment with the bank a long time ago saying, I'm going to owe you this much, and if I can pay it off early, great. And the house is just going to do its job unless it catches on fire, but I'm sure it's insured. I mean, if it does, it's insured. For <laughs> then you can build a new one. It's, it would absolutely be, be rebuilt. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, a, a house is a, um, a very good employee. Absolutely. It does exactly what you tell it to, assuming that you feed it well. And, um, and it's in a nice sandbox full of other nice houses. <laughs> You know they're they're starting a new phase of Woodbridge. The one behind it, it's closer to the freeway. They're calling it uh, Woodbridge South or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those houses are starting at like two ninety. I mean, you know, those houses that we bought in, in our first phase of Woodbridge, the the entry level homes were selling for one hundred five, yeah. and the nicer ones are you know one hundred and forty or something, one hundred fifty something like that. I mean, that's cheap. Of course, this is back in O two, but still. Um, you look at what you get and the, the proximity to the border, you know, for people who live or commute to Spokane every day. That's a desirable little section there. I wish I'd bought more houses there. I actually saw another house that went up in our same neighborhood. I knew the, I knew the people. They lived not too far down the street from me. And uh, they, you know, couldn't, for whatever reason, couldn't make the payments. They were losing the house. And I told them, I said, let's get together. I can buy you out of it. Put a couple grand in your pocket, you know. And at least you won't, you know, you won't leave with, you know, the bad mark and all this stuff. And he didn't want anything to do with it. Oh, yeah, oh, you know, I'm working it out with the bank. The next thing you know, the house is in a foreclosure and it went up to auction and it got sold. And I ended up not not getting it. But uh, we should probably talk um, talk a little bit about that strategy of helping somebody out while they're in foreclosure. And this doesn't always work, but it works a lot. Can we, can we talk a little bit yes, about that, how yes. you would help somebody out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you're... T- Probably talking about like doing a subject two, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so somebody, uh, let's say somebody has a house that's worth three hundred thousand. Um, their mortgage is uh, two twenty on it. They worth about they owe about two twenty. Um, their payments twelve hundred bucks. They're behind a year. They owe fifteen thousand to the bank. They lost their job. They're just not interested. They got to get out, and they're about to lose their house. Mm-hmm. They're a week away from getting foreclosed on. Can you help them? Well, sure, sure. What do you do? And you can you can tell them, hey, we'll jump in, we'll contact the bank, and tell them, I'll make the back payments, pay up to 15000 which mm-hmm. is cheap to get into a house like that, obviously. Yeah. And then I'll still put 
I don't know, let's say five or six grand in your pocket so you can move out, get an apartment and, you know, and clear out of the house. So, you know, I'm out of the, I'm out the door, let's say 20 ish thousand, 20, 21,000 and into this house that really already has equity. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's run the numbers on that because that's a very common scenario. I've, I've done these a couple of times, but it, some, something like that where somebody's owes 220 on a house that's worth 300 grand and um, their payments are 1200 bucks when you can get maybe 1500 1600 bucks for rent mm -hmm. um, it's a great deal to walk up and if you can say hey I'll pay all your fees that you owe to the bank you're not gonna have a foreclosure on your record right but your loans gonna stay in place and I'm just gonna make the payments on your behalf and I'm gonna take ownership of the property and I'm gonna give you another five grand to walk to move out with Mm -hmm. A lot of people would take that deal. Well, sure. And the biggest and, thing um, is what you mentioned is that taking that black mark off their credit. Yeah. You put a foreclosure on someone's credit. I mean, that destroys them for a very long time. And if you're an investor and you want to go buy a $300,000 house, you got to get a 20% down investor type loan. of investor loan. Right. That's $60,000. So for mm -hmm. one third of that, twenty grand, you can make somebody's day. It's literally a win-win. And I mean, you really got about is. eighty grand in equity in that property that you right. can also leverage on flips. Let's right. say you need fifty grand for a flip, maybe get a HELOC or just use it as cross collateral for with a hard money lender. Sure, sure. Um, all of a sudden, you know, you got a cash flowing property. Mm -hmm. So when you put tenants in it, <laughs> right. Um, so that's 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 how you help out someone with, foreclo with foreclosure. You got to be able to make sure that you're going to have plenty of equity. You're going to get into it. Um, relatively with low cost, maybe a third of what you would do if it was a traditional purchase. Right. If that's making sense to people. 20 grand versus 60 grand down. Um, you quit claim the property to yourself. Use a title company. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, the let, you're violating the due on sale clause, yes, for all you people freaking out over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you just take that risk and you just make that payment on that person's behalf. You got all their information to, about their lender. You have um, statements be sent to your house instead of them. Mm -hmm. They're still on the loan. You're just making those payments. 98% of the lenders out there just want those payments coming in. They're not going to call the loan due. That, there's no way they're going to call the loan due because they lose money. It's going to cost them money. It's going to cost them money to get that person out because if they go into foreclosure, the customer's going to fight it. Yeah. And they're not going to just walk out happily and drop the keys on the table as they leave. All of you a sudden, know? they have a performing asset again. Right, which is exactly, exactly. Um, now, the, I have heard like an Idaho housing type of loan be called due. Mm -hmm. That somebody mm -hmm. did something similar, but that was more like a, a local government type of loan. So it doesn't always work, but 95% plus of the time, you're not going to have an issue as long as that that uh, promissory note is being performed in performance. No, the bank has nothing to lose. I mean, yeah. why would they call it due? You know, they're, they're better off just making the payments and then collecting the interest. And, uh, you know, if they call it due, they're not collecting the interest. And if they There's do call it due, you got about four months to refinance a property that you have equity in. And you could. You actually mm -hmm. probably could refinance it. The only time that gets a little sticky is if you already have too many mortgages. And right. when you get up to about four mortgages or so, it starts to get a little sketchy and you end up in a, you have to have a creative lender. So you sell it. You got... You got a few months to sell it before it gets foreclosed you, again. You could always sell it. Worst comes to worst. You and equity. you still don't lose. Nope. Put it, put it as a discount <laughs> on the market. 
you'll get a lot of and it would move quickly you know, move and quick. you'd walk out of there out of escrow with a check for 30 grand ish yeah it's hard to lose on those those type of deals but how do you find them i mean i i only knew about that one because he lived down the street from me i mean the guy was just uh i don't know seven eight houses down whatever it was yeah. right down at the end of the street that i lived on and um, I, I wasn't able to work that deal out with him because he was a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's public knowledge when people are getting foreclosed on. So if you mm -hmm. see pre-foreclosures out there, that just means people are missing their payments. Um, what's funny about Zillow, they like, I have so many people call me on properties that aren't necessarily available. It just shows pre-foreclosure and it's priced at this. It's not priced at that, but mm -hmm. this is what Zillow the mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, but if anyone's wondering what a Zillow pre foreclosure is, it's just somebody who's behind on their payments. Maybe you can try to buy the house from them directly, but agents don't have anything to do with it, mm -hmm. which is commonly confused. I tried that once with a property that was in Woodbridge that I knew the guy was behind on, and I went up there and knocked on his door and said, Hey, you know what? Uh, I hope you don't mind. I'd like to talk to you about your house. It's come to my attention that. You know, you might be behind on it or something like that. I work with a bunch of investors, and we're interested in you know maybe buying this property and helping you out, so at least you don't have a foreclosure against you. And he told me in no uncertain terms to um, GTFO uh -huh. off his property and slam the door. And and you know you're going to get that response sometimes. That's it's, common. It's, Half the time. Well, you know they're upset about what's happening, mm -hmm. and and it's not a it's not a happy go lucky situation, but you really honestly can can save them. Yeah. You know, you can save them that foreclosure, which is so damaging. And, and they'll pay for that so many times over in higher interest rates if they go to buy a car, if they go to open a credit card, anything. I mean, you know, people end up in bankruptcy over this, and it's just they, they don't realize how badly it affects them. Your credit score is so important. but Yeah. Another thing, too, a lot of people don't realize, they, they think if you're doing a subject, too, with somebody and then they, they stay on, um, on that loan, then they could probably never get a, another loan again. It's mm -hmm. just going to haunt them. Right. But if you if you communicate up front, hey, um, this is going to stay in your name, and when you are able to get another mortgage someday, give me a call, and I will send you the last 12 months of bank statements, canceled checks, whatever, showing that you haven't been making that mortgage, and I have, and you're a good lender, will take that and they'll... They'll uh, wipe it away on your debt to income to qualify for another house. Absolutely. A lot of people don't realize there's plenty of lenders that can do that. You just got to keep in good communication with the uh, with these people you're trying to help out. Right, so. right. But if you can make that stick, it really is a win-win. I mean, you really are helping that customer. You're helping you. You're getting into a house that you could never get in that cheap yep. with that low of a down, I'm saying. And, you know, the guy walks away... <laughs> protecting his credit and has enough money to move into another house, which he yeah. otherwise doesn't have. Otherwise, foreclosure against your record, and you have zero. You walk out of there with nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, like a bad guy. <laughs> but it, it's still, it's sometimes hard to convince people of that because pride gets in the way. Yeah, and they're they very upset about They're very upset about losing a house, and, mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes they'll convince themselves that, you know, Uncle Fred is going to lend them $30,000 and save their day or whatever. And maybe that does even happen, but let's face it, most of the time that's not the case. No, usually falls apart last minute. Right, right. Mm -hmm. All right, so anything uh, anything else in the works? Well, nothing at the moment. Um, I just keep looking around, seeing if there's something that looks like a nice candidate for a flip. 
Uh, I keep hearing that this restroom area is growing really well. I thought it maybe is. I can look to see if there's any flips in that area. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe I'll talk to Tyler about expanding the search area. I've just been looking in Coeur d'Alene and Hayden and Post Falls, but maybe expand a little bit. Um, I also was at that meeting that we had with the REI group about the guy who invests out of state. Mm -hmm. And he was in, I believe it was Indiana, if I remember right. Uh, Southern Illinois. Illinois, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. One of those states that starts with I. Yeah. <laughs> in Southern he Illinois. He was actually on this podcast. Oh, great, great. Yeah, Sean Dolan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sean Dolan, right, right. And he made some very interesting points about being able to buy very inexpensively down there and to get nice cash flowing properties without putting a lot down. And well, it's, it's hard to see the downside to that. Um, <laughs> the worst part is the distance. Distance and vacancy. Right, right. Um, that rental market, from what I've heard, is not as in demand is like this local Kootenai That's where we area. are, right. Yeah, right. but um, it's good and bad with everything. There's, uh, he's making it work. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's always things to think about, you know, just looking around, just trying to not keep your mind in a box, you know what I mean? Oh, I can only do X, Y, or Z. You know, you have to be open to other opportunities and say, you know, hey, does this, does this make sense? You know, does that make sense? And if it doesn't, don't do it. Yeah. You know, push a bad situation. It's never pays. <laughs> nice. So um, one more, before we go, um, can I ask you about the, the, the house that's going well for you in Woodbridge? Mm -hmm. um, so you've had it about 12, 12 months or 12 years now. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm guessing you got a 30 year loan or did you get a 15 yes, year no, loan? Yes, no, it was a 30. It was a 30 year loan. So about how much extra per month were you putting on the mortgage to pay it down so quick? Uh, I was putting, at first I was putting 600 a month on it or 650. And then I scaled it back to like 500. About so 500 putting, bucks putting extra about 500 month? bucks, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. And, and that I, saved you over 15 years. It saved a tremendous amount. In fact, I did, I have the two houses in Woodbridge and the other one's paid off. So was that just the excess cash flow? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it, was, it paid for itself? I threw a little extra in there, yes. A little extra, okay. But I mean, you know, not much, a couple hundred bucks. Okay, nice. And I knew that, uh, you know, the amount of money you pay on an interest over the course of a 30-year loan is so high, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, you, you look at an amortization schedule, mm -hmm. and the bulk of your interest is paid, you know, up front. So if you can knock down that principal early in the loan term, you can take years off the back end and save yourself thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, why, why pay that money to the bank? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, unless you need that cash flow money for other opportunities, and that's what, uh, like, Ferguson does. He says, oh, no, no, don't pay your properties off. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to have that money just sitting there? Well, for one thing, it's security. Mm -hmm. For another thing, that house is still cash flowing. It's cash flowing a lot more than when it had a mortgage on it. Yeah. Um, I don't see the downside to it. And he said, well, you can use that money to make more money elsewhere. Your money should be working for you. And in my mind, it still is. You can you know? still always get a HELOC or refinance it if you want Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And not you're like not paying interest away. on it. <laughs> Well, here's the other thing. You're not yeah. paying interest on it. I mean, let's say you have a let's say you have a mortgage with a 5% interest, which is fairly common. Mm -hmm. And whatever you're doing, you better guarantee at least a 5% rate of return or you're not even breaking even over what you would be making if you paid that loan off. Because right. I guarantee you that, bike's, that bank is getting their 5%. I mm -hmm. guarantee that. That is a guarantee. What are you going to guarantee me you have that 5% rate, a greater than 5% rate of return on? Guaranteed. There's no such thing as a guarantee. You know what I'm talking about. Right. I mean, it, to me, it makes more sense to pay that property off and then use the money to snowball into something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got a lot of options. Right. So the one house is paid off and the other one is getting close. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for your time today. 
Appreciate it. Yeah, it's great it's to nice talk to with you. Story. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll talk later. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Clap for Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> that was too many claps. He hates that. How about one clap? Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Shed Podcast. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel for instant access to all future episodes. If you or someone you know has investing experience or stories to share, reach out to us in the comments or via email.